heard the call to build your small business? Make it happen with a .NET domain name, the place for dreamers for 30 years and counting. Visit keepdreamingup.net for tips and advice. Whether you're just getting started or looking to grow, that's keepdreamingup.net. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's Locked on Cavaliers podcast. As always, I'm Chris Manning, your host from fearthesword.com and The Step Back. Today, Eric Garcia Gunderson is the guest. We are talking about LeBron previewing his season and a whole lot more. The Cavs do play the Magic tonight in a preseason finale. No LeBron, but everyone else is scheduled to play. We'll have a recap up on Saturday. Some thoughts on how the roster could change then as well. Um, if you have any mailbag questions, please get them in. We're going to do a big season preview mailbag on Monday. You can drop those to LockdownCavs at gmail.com or shoot us a tweet at LockdownCavs and I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. Eric is someone we're going to have on the show pretty regularly this year now that he is running the LeBron Wire, which you'll hear him talk about on the show. But I hope you guys enjoy. Check out the episode with Jason Lloyd from earlier this week and the episode with William Bowl on Kevin Love this week as well if you want some more Locked on Cavs flavor. But uh, here's today's show. Have a great day. Enjoy tonight's game, and we'll talk tomorrow. You are Locked on Cavaliers, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cavaliers podcast. I am Chris Manning, your host from FearTheSorda.com and The Step Back. Joining me today is the host of Locked On Blazers and the, I don't know his exact title, but he's from the LeBron Wire, which he'll explain here in a minute. It's Eric Garcia Gunderson. Eric, what's going on, my man? Not much. Uh, just, uh, you know, getting getting used to the Cavs world, so to speak. Uh, I'm, I'm the editor of LeBron Wire. Uh, and so I will be. I'm in charge of the LeBron-centric site that's involved with USA Today Sports Media Group. We have a couple of other sites. Uh, there's Warriors Wire, Celtics Wire, Rockets Wire, and there's also Lonzo Wire about Lonzo Ball. And that was the first one that launched. But I'm doing the LeBron one. It's going to be everything. It's trying to be like the hub for everything LeBron and everything related to LeBron. So everything Cavs as well. Like I'm recovering. You know everything going on with the Cavs as well. So, uh, yeah, no, very excited to get to hop on this ride with y'all. Uh, very excited. What what is just before we get into this episode? It's going to be talking about LeBron, talking about a um, little bit of everything here. What what has the the transition like for you? And moving from I mean, you used to you know, cover the Blazers all the time, and you still have been covering the Blazers, but now you're covering. A LeBron and B a team that's far. What what is that just sort of journalistic transition been like for you? Um, it, it's definitely different. Like going to more of a like because uh, I I used to be I was a beat writer at the Columbian here in 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 Vancouver, Washington, which is just over the bridge from Portland, and you know that was involving a lot of online work, blogging type stuff, but also like mixing in, like going to practices, going to games, going into the locker room, all that stuff. Uh, and kind of wearing both hats. Whereas now I'm on the West coast, but I'm keeping tabs on everything Cavs and everything LeBron. And the one thing I will say is that like, there's so many, like almost every little thing with Cleveland and LeBron is a story and, and, and it, and it's big. And so 
that's one of the big things is like realizing that like every, you know everything that happens with him is a big deal and everything that's going on with the Cavs as a championship caliber team is a huge deal so going from the Blazers who have been respectable but not a championship level team with a generational player like that's a huge difference right there and then being on the west coast uh you know, I it, it it is earlier for me when things happen with the Cavs, so I kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm jealous of that to be honest with you. You know, when it's when it's the regular season and I'm covering games and I, I'm fully at the arena and, and doing all the stuff that you do when you cover an NBA team, I'm getting you know it's just like a late night. Like I remember last year, I was just I was when we the when the network started last year, I had two episodes where I had yawned and I just like hadn't cut it out. And I got like emails about it. I'm like, I'm so sorry. It was two thirty in the morning, and I just, you know, was was like, was trying to like just stay awake and sleep for like five hours or something before I, go, you know, go to work during the day. Um, so I was just like, yeah, like this is it's rough, but it, I am super jealous of the of the early start time. And like the next week, um, I like I have a day job trip where I'm going to be on the West Coast for opening night, which is a little bit of a bummer. But I I will get to watch opening night at a like an earlier time and i'm like very excited about the idea that i'm not gonna have to you know finish a game at, at 11 o'clock or something like i'm kind of excited to kind of get on that earlier time schedule even just for one day oh to- oh yeah <laughs> like, oh yeah. i'm so excited oh i yeah i don't blame you i mean yeah that i mean the schedule when you work nights at those games and you're waiting for quotes and you're doing your post and you're doing the podcast it's like so many things and the next thing you know like you said it's 2 30 in the morning and you're yawning on the podcast <laughs> yeah yeah it, it, which is which is just not never great but that's not what people want to hear about of course is actual lebron james talk what we're going to do today yeah, and yes. we're going to try to make this yeah who cares about, us, who, who, cares, who, cares about who cares about your problems in, yeah, your, in, your, in your job or you get to watch basketball for yeah it's complaining about watching basketball yeah. yeah just uh just such a bad oh problem. man so brutal yeah so brutal just an awful job that no one should ever want um, but what we're going to talk about today, obviously, is LeBron uh, just kind of getting into what his season could be. He's had a very inactive preseason. Um, this is something that I think when you watched the game against the Bulls, and he's not going to play in the last preseason game because of, of his ankle injury, you know, it's it's something for me that I you could just tell that they were adjusting back to him in that preseason game. I think when you look at what he what he is and who he is, everything revolves around him and he, what he does. And I think what you saw in the first couple of preseason games was a team that was a, trying to adjust, that was doing some slightly different things that I thought were interesting and trying to you know get Kevin Love more elbow touches. Derrick Rose was being very aggressive you had I thought Wade looked very comfortable and then LeBron comes back and you just have to remember that he's going to be the middle of everything and and it's different lineups too I, th- I think one of the downsides of Wade is that he's not a great shooter and you're in a situation where you don't have as much spacing around LeBron now you're banking on Jay Crowder being a very a good three-point shooter like he was last year you know you're banking on Rose being able to competently hit them at, at least especially from the corners it's a different, and I think you're seeing an adjustment. And I, I, don't, I think the biggest thing with the LeBron ankle is I, I think this is a little bit of preseason. You know, we're not going to rush this. This is the guy who, if you watch him play every night, it always looks like he's rolling his ankles in games anyway, and he just kind of can push through it. And I think what this is is it's preseason. It happened in practice. It's not ideal. It's probably certainly bothering him a little bit. But, it, again, it's it's preseason. You don't rush him back for this. I just think it's going to take. It just kind of. I think the biggest consequence of it, more than anything, is that it has slowed the Cavs' 
adjustment period down that he hasn't gotten used to playing with Crowder and Wade again and Derrick Rose and these guys that he, he's going to have to play differently because they're they're very very different players than what he's had around him the last three years when he's since he's come back yeah definitely I it is it, it's unfortunate obviously you know they're not playing for opening night as great as we're look as great as opening night could be with LeBron and Kyrie and all that stuff uh yeah, I mean, I think part of it is preseason, but yeah, they definitely need to adjust to it. That game, they're clearly still adjusting to LeBron. Like you said, Wade and Rose had had really good performances and, and love and all that stuff, and they had spacing, but now they kind of kind of have to make it work with Wade and Rose. And, I mean, what what do you think about that? Because I, I actually think... I like that Ty Lue is kind of trying to, like, is trying to make that work. I know, like, conventionally, you need that spacing that JR typically provides at that two-guard spot or another point guard that's not D-Rose. And I kind of commend him for trying to work with it because I guess my view on it is, and I wrote about this today on LeBron Wire, was is you can apply 2017 conventions about shooting and spacing to every team, but... LeBron and D Wade just themselves and Kevin Love I think too you you have three like extremely high IQ basketball players there that maybe something unconventional with those guys could work I don't disagree that I think that the trick is how are you using those pieces right like I think if you're gonna like they talk about Derrick Rose as being able to drive in and kick out and that's not gonna work with that starting lineup like the, the way they were kind of pumping up Rose to be this new player was being able to drive and kick and to attack off the dribble out of spread pick and roll and, and just out of basic standard pick and roll, whether that was LeBron or somebody else. And I think it it, it, asks, it depends what you're doing with Wade, too. Like, is he going to come off dribble handoffs? Is he going to come off – is he going to run pick and roll with Love or pick and pop with Love? I, like, I kind of think Love ends up being the key to this because he's the – I think he's the vehicle where you can do a bunch of different stuff. I think – you could have all these guys cutting. Like, Jay Crowder is an excellent cutter. That's one of the things he did really, really well in Boston that made him part of that really, you know, potent Brad Stevens offense. And I think if you're looking at something you could implement from it for a team that hasn't had that much motion, it's Jay Crowder cutting. It is Wade cutting. Who And he, he if you, there's a great Chris Herring piece at 538 that I'll put in the show notes about Wade being potentially being revitalized in some way with LeBron. And one of the things that he pointed out was that when he played with LeBron in Miami, this is a guy who cut a lot more, that he was cutting off ball and moving a lot more. Rose, um, you saw them in the first couple of games. You had him coming around. Love it. Love would be at the elbow, and Rose would zip around, and he still has like a burst, and it's not always doesn't result in necessarily clean layup attempts, and he's not quite as powerful as he was, but he's still someone that can come around that, and that's going to be hard for a lot of point guards to defend, especially in, in the regular season, I would argue. And I think a lot of this then becomes – Interesting because I think one of the things that this could result in, if you can lay a foundation like that, that may, in my mind, is how Isaiah fits in almost naturally when he comes back. And that he is someone that's going to take up a large role, that is going to do all this stuff. But if you can lay the foundation of something that is more complex than what they've done and, and is integrating some of the things that we're both talking about here, Isaiah, who did a lot of that in Boston and isn't just this isolation guy, isn't just a guy who has to attack off the dribble and, and do his own thing, a la Ky- what Kyrie was last year maybe that makes it easier for it to come back whenever he does come back no that's a great point that i hadn't really thought of that this could kind of lay that foundation for uh isaiah and i think 
what maybe maybe what Lou is doing. I mean, they talked about how Rhodes is going to run with that second unit, and they're talking about the spacing. And Ty Lue has been all about the spacing this preseason, and they're you know they're going to use that. And I think that's they're kind of getting Rose used to that. And I think that's smart because that's the role ultimately that he's going to have to play for the Cavs to be successful and to get to where they want to go. And that's, you know, going back to the finals and pushing the Warriors again. And uh, I think, yeah, no, that definitely does. I never, I didn't think about that, but that totally does set the table for Isaiah to come back. Yeah. And I, and I think that that's just an underlying thing is how does LeBron fit with Isaiah, right? Like that, that might be the most, that's in my mind is more important of a question than how he fits with, Rose, you know, I, I don't love his fit with Rose. I, I just don't, I don't think what Rose is makes a lot of sense. How he, how he fits with Crowder to me seems pretty ideal. Um, I think him and Wade should be fine. I mean, I think there is going to be that adjustment period for both of them. It's a different context than they had in Miami. It's a different situation with, with different pieces, but I think it's going to be notable to kind of see how this all works out. What, what if you were, if you were Lou though, would you? Would you have done anything different than what he's done? Would you the tink? Would, are there any of the adjustments he seems to have made? Would you have done any of them differently? Or, I mean, I, I would also just note to the listeners that I don't, I don't think any of this is necessarily a hundred percent locked in for the next forty games. Um, I, I think Lou isn't necessarily always the most uh, bendable coach, but he's someone that I, I don't think right now that you should assume that anything that you're seeing is necessarily exactly what you're going to see. You already said they talked about adjusting the offense after one bad preseason game. Yeah, I, I think it's a new team, which and and all the guys in the preseason have looked pretty good. A lot of the new guys have. But it's, like you said, when LeBron's in the equation, it changes things and people have to get, and, and players have to get used to that again. And so, yeah, I agree with you that I don't think it's, it, it is that Lou is necessarily married to this setup. Uh, but I do... I do like that he's trying this because I I just believe in the basketball IQ of the guys in that lineup. And I know that it goes against, you know, convention of having all these shooters and stuff like that. But I, I don't think I would do anything differently. Obviously, JR has been incredible for the Cavs for, you know, the last couple of years in that starting role. But you know that he's going to be good in that starting role. Like you already have two years of evidence that he can do that. And I think LeBron is the type of person that, you know, JR, he's not going to lose JR because JR is not starting. Like it's not going to be a situation like JR has had in other places where, you know, it, 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 he's disgruntled. I mean, I wrote that he was frustrated, but he was just being honest about yeah, I mean, okay, I, I just, let's, let's get into this for a second, because that to me was one of the dumbest like reactions to what people, like, People are that were like, this is a sign that the Cavs are breaking apart, that there's all these issues. They're in their, I don't know if people are just trolling or like just like actually think this, but Jair is a human being who was asked a question about how he felt, and Jair is not a guy who necessarily hides what he has to say. You know, yeah. like Jair is not someone who's going to give you canned quotes all the time. Like he's not not always going to say something super, you know. He's he's not gonna with something like this. He's going to be honest, and you have to. And I think as a journalist, like that's something you want. I, of course, he's frustrated. He started for two years. Yeah, he of he course. like he was starting a week ago before they this adjustment. He was starting when they won an NBA championship. Exactly. Like 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 of of course he's frustrated. Yeah, like, it and it also just like everybody in their job gets frustrated. And I, and I, one of the things I don't think 
people always, you know, understand. I don't think people always like remember that like this is a job for people. Like right, like mm-hmm. it's not like it's sports and it's a game and it's fun, but it is like a job at the end of the day for them, you know. And it is something that like of course it's like that's what you're doing day to day. That's what you're thinking about for most of the time you're awake every day. Of course you're gonna be frustrated when so- with the thing you actually want and self like you selfishly are kind of chasing and have been used to like of course you're going to be upset a little bit when that changes you know Tristan, i'm sure tristan thompson was kind of frustrated that he's not starting anymore totally i'm, I'm sure i'm sure i'm sure Dwayne wade is going to have an adjustment in the in the sense that like he's not the, necessarily like the guy like it is going to be adjustment fact for him to playing with lebron and you know there, there's there's going to be these weird there's going to be these things and that and that is what it is um look to get back to lebron what are your expectations for him just broadly speaking this year like what do you what are you looking for him coming off an I mean a good year played a lot of minutes last year entering the year kind of in, in a weird circumstance but what are you expecting out of LeBron in 17-18 I think that he uh one of my pieces last week that I put up on LeBron wire that I'm going to be promoting a lot still because it's still relevant and it is this is my LeBron take. I think he's gonna win the MVP this year. Like this is I think Love this it. is the year I think this is the year where all right, so he's got the narrative of Kyrie. Like that's one that's one thing. Then the other thing is that I think the other narratives around the league that could kind of build behind another guy have already been played out. Like Westbrook, Harden, uh Steph. Durant, like all those guys are going to be taking, like Steph and Durant are going to take votes away from each other. I think Kawhi Leonard's probably like the biggest competitor, I would say, right now to LeBron getting that MVP. Or, you know, it, and that would also have to require the Spurs to be as good as they always are, which, you know, they probably will be. But I think that LeBron has a really great chance to to still be the, to be the MVP this, this year because I think, I think the story is a little bit more. I think just the story in general, which is what we saw with Westbrook last year, that's what won the award for him was the story. And I think that the story with LeBron is really playing more into his favor than it has in years past. 100% agree. I I wrote in the SB Nation NBA preview, I was feeling very optimistic at the time, and I feel like a little bit sketchy on the wing total. At this point, I said 58 in there, and I'm feeling a little iffy about that now. Um, You know, kind of like having some remorse some mm-hmm. predictors remorse, but MVP for LeBron to me, he's he's probably my second or he's he's my he is my favorite right now. If I had a ladder, I think it's him or Kawhi make the most sense. I think if you look at what the team is being good enough, teams that are going to dominate, I I think you know LeBron still, I think is the best player. I think it would I think mm-hmm. it might take them getting the number one seed in the East just because they might have to have some of that there, but. I, I think it, there, there's a Westbrook light narrative set up for LeBron here, and I think you're looking at someone who is going to have to do a lot while IT's out. I think you're, you're, he's going to have to do stuff that is different. He might have to do some of the more dirty work and some of the more less fun stuff. It's not just going to be scoring for him. There's going to be more, and, and I think his defensive impact might be more important if he is playing off ball a lot. I think I think you're right. Like, he is. I don't know. I, I think I'm going to pick him to win it. He's definitely my favorite right now. I, I really do think we just with with the the Westbrook situation changing, with the Harden situation changing, with the Warriors being where they are, it's not and it, it, it some of it is because like those guys are kind of off the board in some way. But to me, it, it does feel like this is a LeBron time to win it, and it might and this realistically, I mean, maybe it could be his last chance to really have a clear path at MVP depending on how things change next summer. 
Totally. I, I, yeah, that's another thing too, is that I, I, I'm totally with you there. Like, you know, LeBron is still the best player in the league, but I, you know, he, there's not, I don't think it's, you know, it's not going to, it's not going to last forever. And, and who knows what team he's going to be on. And here he has a very defined role as the clearly number one guy. And he, the Kyrie thing, I think really helps him with this whole narrative thing. And, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think they're gonna have to be first in the East, but I think they will be. I, I, I think that, you know, provided he's healthy and, and all that, you know, and which I assume he will be, uh, I think I think it's his to lose. I, I I really think that because I just I see it setting up nicely. I think everyone but Boston didn't really do much in in the East, and I think that it kind of sets up nicely for them to rack up a lot of wins. Uh, and I think also too the added depth I think will also help them. You know, when everyone's healthy again, that they can hopefully do better without LeBron in in spurts. I think I think that's another very important subplot because I think it's going to be who is placating him when he's on the floor you know is it is it Wade in love I think that's kind of the best pairing um I, th- I think you know is it going to be Rose somewhat if he's running the second unit I think finding those lineups is going to be one of Lou's biggest challenges but I, I think I, I I what do you think the optimal number of minutes for LeBron should be this year if he's at 37 last year 37 and a half I think probably played a little too much I, I would argue even if we can't totally prove that a hundred percent, you know, because the finals, I don't think like him being fully energized would have made a difference. You know, <laughs> I just, the Warriors are really good. Um, what is uh, optimal minutes for LeBron? Like, is it significantly less? Is it just slightly less? Where does where should he fall? You know, I think you. I mean, obviously things change, and he had to play a lot of minutes last year for a lot of different reasons. And I, I think maybe, you know, I think you probably shoot for like 35, 34, like just, just a couple of minutes. And I think that that would make a huge difference, whether that actually happens or not, or can happen, you know, it depends on a lot of things, but I do think having Crowder there to play some more of that small ball and, and to help create some of that spacing and, and help guard guys, I think that will ultimately help him. I think having, you know, once Isaiah comes back, you got Isaiah, you got Wade and you have uh rose excuse me that all you know can at least alleviate some of that playmaking and then uh you know and even in an emergency you know you can have jr run a couple pick and rolls but like it's i think there is uh i think there's a lot there that can help alleviate his burden of playing all those minutes so i would say 35 34 would be like that's that's you know pie in the sky but i you know i i think that would be 34 35 range if he can keep it under 35 i think that's good you know i I think you're right i think if you could get him down just enough uh, i think that would be a win i think if you could get him down into a position where he's not having to do everything that would be a significant win for the Cats because you don't want to have a LeBron that is toasted. And I think, too, it's worth noting that the spaced out schedule should help him. And I also don't know, it'll be, I think, harder to just obtusely rest him. And I don't necessarily think they did that last year, but the new rest policy means there is going to have to be a kind of a wine locked. And Lou kind of has said, we're not going to do something like LeBron's going to play three minutes and then come out. You know, they, they've kind of put their saying they're not going to try to screw through the rule that way. So I think he is going to play a lot. And it wouldn't. I think if he is going to have to play 76 games, something like that, somewhere in that range where he just misses a couple, 
he probably has to get his minutes down. And I think I think it's best for him in the long term, and which the Cavs should think about. And I, I think it's also just good for him in the in the short term of of one season where not only do you need to get lucky against the Warriors and maybe have someone turn an ankle or, or twist their knee, but you need LeBron to just be the incredible the whole time he's on the floor. Yeah, totally. And I think I think Crowder will really help with that. I just think him being able to take not just, you know, everyone's talked about like him potentially guarding Kevin Durant, but it's just the whole lead up to that potential matchup. He can guard now and he can bang with guys and he can guard bigger guys and they can still space the court and post up LeBron and LeBron can do his thing without having to you know, have the onus of guarding the best perimeter guy and he can kind of roam a little bit more on defense and play passing lanes and, and do some of that stuff that it will still be, he'll still be really effective, but it just won't be quite as taxing. What are your expectations for the, for these new look calves? You know, I, I, I do think that they'll, uh, Another, uh, I I think that they're going to, I mean, if I had to take, let's say, let's just frame it like this. If I were a betting man and I had to choose over or under on their win total, I would hit the over. I think that that, I think it's like 53 and a half. So I think they will be like a 54 plus win team. I think that they will be competing with Boston all year. I think they'll probably, and I think they're better than Boston. I think they'll beat them in the playoffs, but, uh, I, I, it will be a little bit of a test in the regular season, I think, to match the win total. But I do think that they can get there, and I think they will. I I, I think, you know, kind of it coincides with my LeBron MVP take. And I think, you know, if LeBron's going to be the MVP, they're going to be first in the East and win a lot of games. And so those kind of d- go together there. So uh, I think the New Look Cavs will be very good. I'm hyped on, you know, what Crowder can do. I think also, you know, Jeff Green, as much as, you know, people like to hate on him, you know, he's, he's going to be what the ninth, 10th man. Like, like that's, he, that's he's a pretty Richard Jefferson minutes. Like basically what, what you're getting at there. And he's taking chaining gig. Like, they're basically one of the things that that's worth noting is he is going to kind of play ahead of fry and ahead of Jefferson. If Jefferson ends up make, staying on the team, um, which we, we don't know if that's the case yet, but you're in a situation where, you know, you're, Green is like your ninth guy, and they are going to play smaller in a way that kind of makes sure like the it's not as good as Crowder all the time around LeBron, but they are going to kind of have him kind of play that type of role where LeBron is playing with with a smaller forward than he necessarily has a lot of times in the last couple of years. Yeah, and I, and I like that, and, and and to me it it makes me think of Miami LeBron, where you know that was. You know, it wasn't their starting lineup. You know, they started Joel Anthony and stuff like that. But for, you know, the most important minutes of the game usually were LeBron is able to guard the other team's three while Shane Battier could guard the other team's power forward. And then there's Bosch who can space the floor a la what Love can do. And so you kind of have a little bit of a, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's my, I'm, it's Miami esque to me, the kind of, the kind of team that they've got going around LeBron now. And I, I like it. I, I think that that is, is where LeBron should be. I think he's going to thrive in that setup. And I think that the Cavs, I, I really like the pieces that they have. I think it, you know, once Isaiah comes back, I think they're, you know, really, you know, if he's, if he's back to being Isaiah, you know, they're, they still need some luck, obviously, but I think they're, I think they're, you know, really well equipped to give the Warriors some tough games. Obviously, it's going to be really hard to beat them, but 
you can at least, you know, you can make up some scoring there with Thomas. You can save. And I think to me, one of the big things that I've landed on is I think still in the super team era, I do think you're still only as good as your best guy. And if the pieces around LeBron now can elevate LeBron, then I think that raises the ceiling for the whole team, which normally it's always about LeBron making everybody else better. But I think the, the, this group of guys has the potential to make him better. And, and at least in the way of like showcasing his biggest strengths and not having him do as much of the dirty work over the course of the season. I think in the first part of the season, he's probably gonna have to do that without Isaiah. But I do think, I think that these, this group of guys has the potential to let him shine a little bit more. Yeah. And I think too, if they do end up switching the offense, some, and it's one of the things I, I keep thinking about lately is what if they do do something different with the offense? What if there is something that looks different? Like Kyrie has said, like there's more movement in Boston. I, you know, like they, they really did kind of set up <laughs> things for him to do that. You know, it, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I like that. I don't want to like just talk about that really. Cause it's just kind of like what Ky- a lot of the stuff Kyrie said is just kind of like, what are you like? Like, what are you saying, man? It's very Mamba mentality. Yeah. It's, and it, but it's like, it's, it's a little, but it's like the, it's not as, it's a little like goofier, you know? And it's almost like the, the real sports city quote was just, was just like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, did you, A, did you like know what city you were living in and B like, like regardless of like the, how much you're enjoying Boston and like the, and how the difference is there, like just why? Yeah. Like there's no upside to, there's like no upside to this, you know? Um, I like I like I think he's gonna get booed. Oh, I mean definitely. I mean definitely. I mean I I you know I'm I I I I definitely think so. I mean he insulted them as a sports city, and it's like, I mean, did you see the parade, Kyrie? Like, did you see like all the photos that happened? You hit the that? biggest shot in franchise history. Yeah. You did that. Yeah, you, you did know? that, and people and people lost it, and it was like, and it's you know, it's like, come on, man, like. So yeah, it is a little weird what he's doing, but it, it yeah, it screams very like, like uh, you know, it's very Kobe. It reminds me a lot of Kobe, like, like, like stoner Kobe, stoner millennial Kobe, stoner millennial Kobe. That's what Kyrie's act is right now. Yeah, hundred percent with that. But like he, LeBron in this in a potentially reworked offense, I think could like still be more explosive, but end up doing less if that makes sense, just because he won't have to attack in isolation as much. Um, you know, they just, you can go look at synergy or any other like NBA stats page and see like how much he was like attacking in isolation. And I think he could do that less this year and like still be doing, you still have more moments every night where he's getting dunks to the rim or is attacking because Kevin loves giving me dribble handoffs or he's setting screens for pick and rolls. And I think some of the dirty work there could be different, but I almost think he's going to have to do less in some ways because if he doesn't have to go one-on-one with eight seconds off on the shot clock you know, eight, nine times a game that, that, that should help him. Cause that, that is taxing. Like that style of basketball is, is a very taxing style more so than movement. And I guess the movement is a cardiovascular type of thing. But I, I just, it's to me, it seems like that if you're going ISO and having to do that so much and dribble, 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 and getting the taking of the shots at the rim, that to me seems like it would just add up. Totally. And I think like when you get in those situations, it's like, all right, well, it's all on my shoulders right now. Like I have to make this happen. Whereas like with a more, you know, movement motion based offense, it's you're helping each other get buckets. You're helping each other get open. You're helping each other the whole time. So I think, and I think, you know, LeBron, 
like he's kind of, you know, gone back and forth between those types of playing styles. But I do think at this stage in his career, and I think with the roster that they have, it's necessary. I think I think that's one of the things that I really stood out to me about what Ty Lue said about changing the offense is, you know, coaches can always if you're going to be a good coach, you can't coach what you know, you got to coach to your personnel. And I do like that, you know, even in that preseason game, he's like, okay, well, maybe we need to tinker some things and try some different stuff because it's not the same team as last year. What, like you said, you know, where they had the ISO offense because those were their two offensive engines, but now, you know, you have some different options. And I think that that ultimately should be good for them. hundred percent agree. Let's wrap it up on this last topic. Um, you and I talked about this when we were planning this episode, but I just want to say something about this publicly. How much do you, does LeBron's future actually, like, is it worth talking about this year? Like, how much should, if people are thinking about LeBron's season this year and the actual basketball of this season, the actual story of this team, this season for him and his season with the Cavs, how much does his does this next summer actually matter? To me, it, it, it doesn't, you know, it's obviously, you know, things like, uh, you know, like the TMZ thing where, you know, him and Savannah are looking at schools in LA or whatever, but like ultimately, like to me, that still doesn't matter because I don't think, I think the way LeBron, from everything that he's done, I think the way his brain works and for this season is he's focused on the task at hand to win a championship. And then once free agency rolls around or once the season's over, I think then he'll think about it and then he'll evaluate it. And I really honestly think that I I think I don't think that he's like planning this out from the get go of where he's going to go. I think he's going to evaluate it in the moment and make the best decision for him in the moment, including, you know, and, and thinking about basketball and thinking about all those things. But I don't think that for the story of this season, I don't really think it's that important because it ultimately He's I, I don't honestly believe that he's thinking about it right now. Like, I, I really don't. I think he's honestly thinking about just trying to get his ankle right and trying to get back to the finals and try to win a championship. I really do. Like, I and I think everything that we know about LeBron to this point makes me think that. So I, I don't think it's going to be to me. It doesn't matter as much for the over the course of the season. Once the season's over, huge. But during the season, I don't think he's really going to be thinking about it all that much. I do too. He's not going to see the, the, when you hear, I don't want to like crap on like people that are good, very good at their job that are saying, Oh, LeBron's leaving. But I think there are like four people in the world that really would like, know, And those are not people that I think are going to leak things right now. No, there's a reason they know. They're, exactly. It's his wife. It's, it's Maverick Carter. It's Rich Paul. It's LeBron himself. You know, like it is not, the 30th guy that's connected to him via Nike or something like that. Like it is not some league source in the NBA out front office and some front office somewhere that knows, right? Like I think I mean, LeBron's, LeBron's, LeBron's future, a lot, ha- a lot has to happen. I like people have talked about the idea that he could form his own super team in LA or something like that. I think, you know, like that's, you could, he's the one guy you might do that for, but like it depends on who actually is available. Like what if Paul George stays in OKC, right? Like what if, Certain other things go like just certain guys just aren't available for you to get. There's not a necessarily trade available with some of those guys. LeBron's not. I don't think LeBron's just going to go to LA. But I also just think like there's no way that he right now knows what he's doing. No. And I think I I just I just can't believe that that he would know right now because that would that just seems off to me. And I think too, 
if you're looking at the one aspect of this that I think is worth tracking, the Cavs have that Nets pick. They're not trading that pick unless LeBron says, I'm, I'm re-signing. And, like, I'm guaranteeing you right now, before the deadline, I'm re-signing, let's go get X player with this pick. Like, that's what I want. Like, that or that type of player with that pick because I'm staying and I want to build for the next three years instead of you giving yourself that safety net. That is the one situation where this becomes realistic and I just can't imagine LeBron James who's just an excellent leverager <laughs> and is and knows what he's doing in that in that arena would actually really consider like there's just it's the only aspect of it and I just don't think it's even a realistic conversation to have as as we talk right now in October and I it just, I just can't see that changing I, I just can't see LeBron committing in season in any way no I there's no way he's going to do that and I I also think that one of the things that in this conversation about LeBron and LA and free agency and all that stuff that I think sometimes gets lost. And I think Lee Jenkins is probably the only person that's really talked about this among, and of course he's the person that's probably closest in the media to LeBron. Breaking news, Lee Jenkins, very good at his job. Yeah. Very good at his job, Lee Jenkins. But like, he's the only person that's talked about like, Hey, I don't necessarily think LA he's saying like of any other teams other than Cleveland, he's saying, you know, he basketball and, 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 you know, LeBron has all these interests. He has the production company and he has all these TV shows and all that stuff that he wants to do. That's always going to be there. He doesn't have to go to LA now. He is in the prime of his basketball career. And something that I've thought of a lot when I thought about thinking about this is what Chris Bosch said, you know, after he was unable to play, like here's one of the most interesting guys in the NBA. He's super interested in stuff, plays guitar, likes beer, all that stuff. Like, but once he couldn't play anymore, he desperately wanted to be back on the court. And he still does. And I don't think and, – and I think when you're LeBron and you're thinking about your legacy and you're thinking about, you know, chasing Jordan and winning rings and getting to the finals and being LeBron James, like, really, it's him as a basketball player. Like, that's at his core. And I think that ultimately the decision is going to be made on basketball. And so I think – I still think he has a great chance to stay in Cleveland. I still think he but, – but to know what he's going to do, I think it's all going to be, like you said, determined on who's available, which guys he can team up with. Who, you know, when he came back to Cleveland, you know, one of the things that I saw, you know, is that Kyrie was already better than Dwayne Wade. Like, that was one of the things I saw that year when he went there. It's like, yes, he went home, but he also went to join up with uh, just a better player at that point. Mm -hmm. And or he could get Kevin Love. Yes, exactly. Yes. And the Cavs happen to have a pick. Exactly. (laughs) That, like, you you could trade Michael Porter with that pick for something like that pick's going to have value even if it's not the top top guy that's a get in the top five that's going to be a valuable pick but a lot to go on with LeBron this year so much of that will happen with him we'll see if he plays an opening night uh, I, I I think he'll play an opening night that's just a guess right now um, we may not even hear from them for a couple more days based on when they have media availability but I'd be a little surprised if LeBron didn't play an opening night it'd be a little weird if he didn't in some ways you know it'd be kind of a letdown honestly um, but he won't play Friday against the Magic, who they're going to play before later tonight. But, uh, Eric, thank you so much for coming on. And just give everyone a reminder where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find the LeBron wire. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Eric underscore Gunderson. That's Eric with a K, Gunderson with an E-N. Uh, and you can find my work at LeBronWire.com. Uh, we have lots. We're going to be covering LeBron. The Cavs, 
stuff that Kyrie says about LeBron and the Cavs, you know, <laughs> everything. I mean, we're, we're covering everything LeBron. So, uh, and, you know, doing a lot of news stuff, but also some columns and more analysis and breaking down stuff and uh, trying to hit it all from a bunch of different corners. So hit up LeBron Wire. Yeah, go check that out. Um, it's a really fun site. The Celtics Wire to Jared Weiss will be on the show next week. So hear from another member of that. Um, squad over there and it's it's usa today product if i'm not mistaken if i'm if i'm correct so uh check that out there um i'm gonna we're gonna wrap it up on that uh you'll see an episode tomorrow recapping the game and we'll be back on monday uh kind of going through some different things we'll be back next tuesday again for that game preview with jared weiss but uh for myself for eric this has been locked on cavaliers and we'll talk to you again tomorrow after the Cavs wrap up their preseason schedule and maybe we get some roster clarity by then as well Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.